Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to Crawl Space. I'm Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? I couldn't be better. How are you today, Tim? I feel like you say that every episode. Well, every episode I just get more excited and uh, I always think that I can't get better, but the day rolls around where we have a new guest on and it excites me even more. Thus, I get a little bit better with every episode and this, this is no exception. So it's like the opposite of office space. Every day is the best day of your life. Right. So I previously thought yesterday was, and it turns out today is. And I fully anticipate tomorrow will be better than today. Lance, well, that's wonderful. And I agree because today in our interview, we we have just an excellent interview with a really fun person and a really compelling subject. Yes, indeed. Her name is Kelly Jo Hearsey, and she is a super recognizer. And she uh, came into our world through this Vice article that was written by Jake Hutchcraft. And I, I think it's Jake or it might be Jack. It's J-A-K. Uh, anyway, it's a great article that was written a few weeks ago in August. And it's uh, all about how police are using super recognizers like Kelly to track criminals. And this isn't in like a superpower that uh, you, you should be questioning. This is something that's in her brain. She has an enlarged fusiform gyros which I didn't know what that was. So during the interview, I Googled it, and it is part of the brain that uh, enables you to recognize uh, people, places, faces, things like that. And it sounds delicious. And it, it is great uh, with a nice balsamic reduction. <laughs> and uh, so you can actually take these tests online yourself to find out if you are also a super recognizer. And Kelly works for Super Recognizers International, and so, yeah, again, you can take the test, find out if you're also a super recognizer. Lance, you and I both took it. I think we got 11 out of 14 on the initial test, um, and then I didn't really go too far on the second one. But uh, it is fun. The first one, I got to say, is very fun. Definitely take it if you've got a few minutes. 
Yeah, it only takes a few minutes. It's like 10, 15 minutes, and you can uh, go through all of the faces. They'll show you a face, and then they'll show you like a lineup of, of uh, similar faces, maybe in different positions. Um, and if you get them all right, uh, then then you should go into the uh, more elaborate test that I think was like 50 questions. And very few people pass that to the extent that Kelly past hers and she was actually told after the fact that she'd scored the highest that the organization had seen out of six million candidates so she 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 does seem like she is a um a bit of a, a superhero well she kind of is in that way lance she's kind of a uh, a natural superhero uh yeah and it's really cool and i never realized how how utilized super recognizers can be and uh, and how useful they can be in law enforcement and we came across instances in this interview where it's like, wow, you know what? We could really use your help on a couple of things. And uh, so Kelly is going to work with us uh, on a few things and potentially with private investigations for the missing too. Yeah. She was very excited about that. Uh, we're, it's, it's a, it's an incredible relationship that we're going to have with her. Now we always have cases that are coming to us through PIs for the missing. And we can now forward her pictures of, uh, individuals who are missing and maybe there's um, moments where people think that this might be somebody who is a, a homeless man in Texas or uh, a homeless woman in New Hampshire and we can have her compare the pictures. It's fascinating because it doesn't even need to be a picture of them currently. It could be a picture of them from 10 years ago. Well, let's actually give a quick example because uh, after the interview, we sent her pictures of this uh, Maura Murray lookalike from, I want to say it was a year or two ago where some woman was uh, spotted in one of the uh, amusement parks in the White Mountains and there were some pictures on Facebook and it kind of blew up there for a minute. Uh, we had sent it to law enforcement. I mean, obviously, it didn't seem like anything came of the quote-unquote sighting anyway. Um, but we did. We just, just out of curiosity, we sent the pictures to Kelly, and she wrote back in like two minutes, being like, "Oh, this is yeah. I could see why you you would think this is close, but no, it's a hundred percent not her. And here's why." Yeah, she came back pretty quick on that. Um, first was the uh, detached earlobes, so the the earlobes didn't match, and I think that was uh, the. The, the, the key factor that tipped her off that this was not a match. Um, it's fascinating. This is a great interview. You'll hear that it's not so much like she memorizes faces. It's like a feeling that comes over her, and she'll know. She'll know instantly, and it's like this adrenaline rush. It's really crazy. Yeah, very cool. So I hope you enjoy this. Check out the links in the show notes. Take the test yourself and read the Vice article. It's wonderful. So thank you very much for listening, everybody, and I hope you enjoy hearing about Kelly Yearsy and her superpower. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly Hearsey. How are you today? I'm great, thank you. How are you guys? Oh, we couldn't be better. Um, we're really excited to have you on, and we uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. You are, um, from the accent, you're somewhere located in the uh, Texas region, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Texas, well, it's more Oxford, near Oxford. I'm in a place called Buckinghamshire, and it's about an hour north of London in the UK. Now, people tell me all the time that I have a very good British accent, so I might I might pull that out a little later, but 
a lot of people are like, I can't tell if you are British or if you live 20 minutes north of Boston uh, because it's so it's so spot on. Spot on. You sound like chitty chitty bang bang to me. That's pretty that's pretty scary. I'll take that as a compliment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kelly, uh you have a really interesting skill that we uh just learned about and we just read this article from Vice that uh came out recently, August 24th, 2020. And uh it is called How Police Are Using Super Recognizers Like Me to Track Criminals. That's right. Yeah. So I'm a super recognizer, which I fully appreciate. Sounds like a really embarrassing Marvel character, doesn't it? It sounds like yeah, it sounds like a really amazing um, superpower, but the person who created it ran out of steam when they named it. They were like, oh, she's super recognizer. The person who created it was a professor at Harvard University. And um, so we, we've we sat around in the pub trying to think of better things to call ourselves, but we can't come up with anything, so we're sticking with it. Yeah, it, at least it, it's clear, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. That's right, yeah. Well, you also have a very um, appropriate last name for this particular ability. <laughs> it's almost it's a nice, uh, nice um, court term, isn't it? Yeah, no, nearly. It's hearsay, not hearsay. I'd like to point that out. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So how did you... So this is this is an ability that um, is only... Like, to be a super recognizer is... Uh, what percentage of, of society can be classified so far as super recognizers? Yeah, they, they've been doing research on it for a good 10 years now, and they think that it's about 1% to 2% of the population of super recognizers. So um, there's a sort of if you can imagine a bell scale. So at one end of the scale, you've got prosopagnosics and they are people who have face blindness. So they, they can't even recognize their own friends and family's faces. It's a really tough um, condition. And then you have uh, the rest of society in the middle, you've got the, your regular recognizers, like, you know, th- that can recognize everyone they meet that, that they know well and then at the very other end of the scale, you've got super recognizers and they are the people that can recognize people they've never met before. They can then recognize them again in a different situation. And they are, yeah, they're, we're very, very rare. And, and it's, um, it's a genetic thing. You can't learn this. It's something you're born with. Wow. And so you have this, this, have been experiencing this your whole life before you kind of realized what it was much, much like any superhero. And, and how did you realize you had it? Yeah. So I, I thought that everyone did the same thing as me. I didn't realize that I was doing anything different to others, but I would sort of, perhaps I would see, let's, let's give you an example. I was in on holiday in Spain and was in a restaurant and a few tables down the way I could see a family with two kids and I looked at the parents and I knew that they were the parents of a child that I'd photographed because in my day job uh, other job my other career I'm a professional photographer I've been for many years and I'd photographed the children at a childcare setting that I was working at doing the photos and the parents had come in and picked the child up and I'd said hello and off they'd gone. And I remembered then, I think it was about eight years before that I'd done that, that, photo, that photo session for them. 
and I saw the parents in Spain about eight years later. And I wanted to check. I thought that is them. I know it's that they pick their kids up from the photo shoot and then the kids got up and ran about and I recognized them immediately as well. So I knew. And it's things like that. You'll see people from someone's sister from 30 odd years ago that, you know, you haven't seen and they weren't even your mate. They were your mate's sister, you know, and your friend's sister and, and you're recognizing them just from a glimpse over your shoulder in the street and you're, Oh, look, there she is. There's Amber. And it's, it was kind of something quite strange. Um, that that happens but I just thought that's what everyone did and it's a split second thing you don't need to study them and think oh you just take it for granted oh there she is there's the the, the sister so I I knew I kind of recognized people well and I was read I've been obsessed with true crime um since I was a teenager and I read a lot of crime books and I was reading actually a crime novel um by a a British author called Peter James and in the novel the main detective goes to Scotland Yard to speak to the super recognizer unit because they've got some CCTV footage of a suspect and they want a super recognizer to verify if it's their suspect and the character in the book gets in touch with DCI Mike Neville at Scotland Yard who heads up the super recognizer unit they send a guy down to solve the crime so I just googled the term super recognizer having read that and very long story short there was some testing you could do online I did the testing and I came out pretty very high in my testing scores and uh, DCI Mike Neville of Scotland Yard turns out to be a real person who is now my boss he came out of Scotland Yard and set up his own um, private company um, uh, the super, which is Super Records, Super Recognizers International, and I'm now the um, head of operations. So I pull teams together for jobs and do the jobs myself. So that was a weird roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, and and what do the jobs consist of? Yeah, oh, we do all sorts of things. Um, we work for police forces in the UK, um, and we also work for private companies, private security companies. So. Um, I worked on several, you know, quite high profile murder inquiries. And I've also um, worked for private security firms going into sporting events and um, arenas and things like that. So, you know, last year we worked at the Wimbledon tennis tournament for the first time in London, um, which was just a huge success. And uh, we made a big difference there. And and it's great to see some of these places having the forethought to to look to us as a new way of of finding people really quickly really easily you know we don't need a big team we can scan thousands of faces at once and if that one person we're looking for is in there we'll find them straight away that's impressive and uh, i want to go back real quick you're actually being a little bit modest when you said you scored highly on the uh, test you did score highly Um, But according to this article, you got the highest score they'd ever seen from over six million candidates. Yes. Yeah. I didn't actually know that for about a year after I started working for us. And I was chatting to the professor that's in charge of the of the research. And he said, well, you did come top out of the six million results we've had. And I was quite taken aback by that. But it's nice because at least I feel justified in my position that I'm heading up the campaign to take super recognizers to all corners of the globe we want to take over the world and help 
lots of different people you know we've got lots to lots to give and lots to, lots of ways we can help ha- have you ever seen me before yes i have <laughs> where albany wow. on the day i was at the asop convention <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right i kind of forgot about that i guess my Sorry, question was I, kind I, of jokey <laughs> no 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 that's good that's I, very but, clever. but <laughs> but but basically because of your power like uh and you know your skill if we were to meet in spain uh 30 years from now at a cafe you would you would recognize me immediately yeah yeah S- sorry to interrupt you know what's funny is i was so blown away right there because before we started this interview she was saying that she has uh dear friends that are in albany and she loves albany and i forgot that you went to ASOC. So when you said that uh, for a second, I was like, holy shit, she was driving by, saw Tim and recognized him. (laughs) (laughs) I should have gone with that really, shouldn't I? (laughs) Oh, damn it. Yeah, but that was so cool that to find out that we crossed paths before at uh, the American Investigative Society of Cold Cases uh, conference in 2019 in Albany, New York. Yeah, and it was your fault that I was there. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah, you were chatting with Ken Maines and you said you know, this is happening in Albany. And when I heard the Albany, I said, okay, I'm off. So I got my tickets and I, and I took off and met, met some inspirational people that I'm still friends with. So it's great. And uh, yeah, so thanks for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Any, anything we can do, anything we can do to help. Um, but I really want to get into the crime stuff because that is really interesting. And that is where your superpower is best uh, applicable i guess um but i'm really curious about your profession as a photographer do you think that there was some connection there like some subconscious connection that you you know you're you're uh attracted to faces you're drawn to faces and and therefore you had to photograph them i don't know i don't think so i'm a creative so i paint and do all sorts of creative stuff and i think photography was a way of getting into a job that would pay me to do something that was creative but I mean, it's certainly, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, if I look at the team I have, we're all different. We're, I've got a session drummer. I've got a graphic designer. Um, you know, I've got an ex-police officer. I've got all sorts of different people. And I don't think that you can really draw a line between us all and, and work out anything similar. We're all, you know, different. So I don't think so. The photography is all about faces yes that's it but it i don't think i think it maybe i'm i can see i I think it's more my artistic side that's helped me with that interesting um i'm curious about something um how does it connect in your head like uh is it like a um detail of the person's face or is it kind of more of like a feeling yeah it's i i don't know whether it is different for each individual super recognizer and the there is research going on to find out whether we're looking at specific parts of the face or not. But from my point of view, I think the way I do it is I see a shape. I don't look at the eyes or the nose or the mouth or anything specific. I just see a shape. So for instance, I can also see people from the back of their heads and know who they are. Um, and so that's not necessary to do with facial recognition. That might be an add-on that I've got where I'm, it's the whole shape and the shape of a person's body, the way they walk. I can recognize those pretty well too, but it is all about the face really. But um, it just happens and it happens in a split second. You know, you don't need to study a face for a long time to then be able to go and find them. So we'll be given 
uh, you know, maybe mug shots of some suspects that we're looking for and we just tap, take a look at them. They're in the, they're straight into our mind. We can put those in our pockets and walk off into a crowd and find them. Um, but I think the good thing about it is it is really quick you, and you don't have any doubts. The, the way I find it is that I don't start to think mm, it might not be him. I just say, yep, there he is. And, and it's straight, you know, split second. So right. it feels really cool. It's in a real rush when it happens. Yeah. And, and the, the test online, which, which I took, um, the, and uh, I got 11 out of 14, which I, I guess was I got 11 bad. out of 14 as well. Nope. Oh, nice. Not yeah. bad. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like I knew which ones I got wrong, like as soon as, you know, I, but, but I kind of agree. Like, like even though they show you features and you're kind of supposed to study those features, it's definitely more than that. It's definitely seems to be more about the shape or, or something. It's really, really hard to put my finger on because, yeah, as you said, it's not, yeah, you're not, you're not, even in that test, you're not necessarily given uh, the same views. That's right. You've got to go with your, uh, your instinct. When I did, so that test is a few, few minutes long. It's 14 sort of questions, I suppose it were, 14 exercises. It's supposed to be fun. You know, it's just a fun test to see if you can engage in it. And if you score anything over 10 or so, then that means 10 is about the average score people will get. So if you get 10, it means you're kind of a regular, you, your recognition skills are average. And then as you go up to 14, I mean, if you get 14 out of 14, you're in 0.5% or something like that, I think, um, is, is the score there. So what we find is if you score 10 and above, you'll, you probably enjoy the further testing that can be done. So you can click another link after that and it will take you to some much more rigorous testing. Um, and if you're 10 and above, you might enjoy it and it'd be fun. But if you're really in the high levels, then you might find that you really excel in those tests. And then, then you start to get to laboratory testing and the, the really rigorous stuff that then I had to do to get to the job. Oh, okay, that was actually my next question, and that was a really good point about it being more than a feeling. Because when I was uh, studying the faces, I was studying those faces, and I was trying to like, um, just as a bartender, I remember they taught me to look at IDs and look at like the T on someone's face, and like you know you can't really change that part of the face. So I was looking at that, but once you knew, it wasn't so much like oh I saw that uh, the way his chin you know had a cleft in it or something it was like it was definitely like a gut feeling like no that's it um, but the ones that I thought I got wrong like I definitely got wrong like I could feel that like I don't think I'm confident about that um, but anyway my my question was um, I'm sure when you joined Super Recognizers uh, International they I'm sure they didn't just say like okay well here's some CCTV footage go to work what was in what what in, what entails on that like what what do you have to do as far as training to qualify beyond Beyond just being a super recognizer sure so you do um the further testing after that little mini test and then if you do really really well you're then passed on to super recognizer international and you can do their test and it's when you get to the super recognizers international test that you really are put through your paces so you can do really well up until that and then it's serious so for instance, one of the tests is a long-term memory test where you have to, you'll see 10 clips, really awful quality CCTV footage. You might see the person's face, half of it, for a second, and, and it's gone. 
And then seven days later, you'll give, you're sent 10 lineups, 10 separate lineups. And you've got to pick that person you saw in the awful footage only for a split second out of those lineups. So it, that's an example of just one of the tests you have to go through. But I had to go to Greenwich University to the laboratory there and do face-to-face -face testing. So they knew that I had done it myself and that the online tests were my real results. And once I'd got through that, then Mike Neville and, um, and the team that are um, working with him on the training invited us all for training. So, so you will get an invite to training if you make the grade with those tests. And the training involves learning the law surrounding super, uh, facial recognition, um, also behavioral analysis. We, did we do two full days of behavioral analysis. So we've got this fam fabulous skill, but when we go out and do covert operations, we need to be able to see what we're, you know, understand what we're looking at with, with regards to the behavior of the suspects, what will stand out. So we've learned loads about that. We then do exams on the law, on all the things that we've learned during the testing, the training rather. And then we do actually a, a practical, um, amazing operation where Mike will set us a, some targets and we go off into London and try and find them which was absolutely phenomenal I, I was one of the best things I, I enjoyed it so much for instance in that one he gave yeah. us some photographs of three three suspects um, one of them was about 17 18 years old in the photo he had spiky bright blonde hair fresh faced and we all we paired up and went it went to find them in a specific area they were going to be those people were going to be in the area so they were walking around and we were to get photographs of them and report back and my colleague who I was working with Elliot he found the guy and the guy now is about 20 years older slicked back hair huge beard and Elliot just went there he is and and we got him and it was just such a buzz. So, you know, we can recognize people who have changed hugely in their appearance. So we can tell, you know, it, we're not restricted by that. We can see if they, they've, you know, if, if we can look at a 20 year old photograph and then go and find them. Um, really so yeah, that's, so going back to what we have to do, then we pass that. Once you've passed that, then, you know, you are, we can then contact you for work. Um, so it's we only take the best of the best. It's a really rigorous thing that you have to go through. So now I help run the courses. So I'll be there giving them my stories and telling them how it looks you know, to work on these things. That is really fascinating. Uh, you said you take the best of the best. So it's not like something where... Uh, Tim or I, who scored uh, 11 out of 14, and then let's say we went on to do the um, the more extensive test, and we were just kind of average at the at the extensive test. It's not something where we could then still apply and then go through training to get better. You said it's something that's just in your in your in your genetics. Yeah, they've even tried. They've even in their extensive scientific research that they've done, they've actually tried to see if if people who are average at recognizing can be trained to improve. And you can't. It's it's totally something you're born with. There's a thing in your brain called the fusiform gyrus. It's here at the front, and it's the thing that recognizes faces. So we've all got one, and it works normally. But it turns out that me and my colleagues have a, a really weird one that works differently still not fully understood but we've got weird fusiforms 
God, what what am I good at then? Jesus. <laughs> I, I feel like there's a t-shirt or something there that says like weird like I feel like there's a marketing angle we can play off of this with a weird Check out my weird fusiform, form, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's workshop it. We'll workshop it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so is this a full-time job for you at this point? Well, you know, leading up to the fun times we're in now it really was going completely it was skyrocketing we've got some huge contracts in um some really exciting stuff and of course most of the things we do involve crowds going into big events um and so that's all come to a, a standstill but there's lots of things going on in the background and um uh, you know, yeah, it is going to be, I, I can, I've kept my photography going because it's, it's something I can fit in around it, but yeah, it's, it's going to be, I know it is, it's the more police forces that come on board and take us on, uh, the better because people are really sitting up and taking notice, especially when we get some really amazing results on some big cases. Um, and yeah, it's just, it is, it's going, it's going really well. What are some of the big cases and do you have to testify? Do they ever call you to the stand? And when you do, it, when you do in London, do they actually wear the wigs? Oh yeah. Ah, that's so awesome. No, yeah. You know what? I'm so jealous that you can have cameras in court because there's no cameras in court. Everyone's wearing wigs and gowns. Um, it's yeah. There's uh, because I listen to true crime all day, every day. I know more about the U S system than I do the UK system, but right. The differences are ridiculous and I think you get a lot of things right actually in comparison and other things I think maybe we have an edge but sentencing wise that's a whole whole nother conversation but yeah put it this way we've only got 75 people in this country in prison that are on what we call whole life tariffs so that means that they aren't going to ever get out so you would call it <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like being in london <laughs> it's the old bailey sorry for the stunt i i just ran in my closet to get this wig <laughs> hello kelly oh god i thought this was a serious podcast for serious people i'm obviously ma- badly mistaken it, it used to be <laughs> <laughs> wow i never i never thought that that wig would play into anything other than just like a so impressed a funny instagram post that was very well played we could probably wrap the interview up now yeah i've had enough now that'll do (laughs) oh man that was good so um so testifying have you what was some of the bigger ones and and have you had to testify so far thankfully no i haven't had to testify although my I have to have always have to do a uh, statement with all my um, evidence in that gets um, put in as evidence. And thankfully all of the ones that I've done so far have just been accepted in as evidence and given in court. I haven't had to go and speak. The only thing is at the moment, super recognizers are not recognized as expert witnesses, but we can testify and give our opinion based on our skills and we can explain it, but we aren't classed as an expert witness yet, although they are looking to do that. Um, but some case, I mean, I think the probably the most satisfying case I worked on was a really big, quite horrendous um, murder that happened in London where um, the there was an ex-husband had hidden 
in the sh in the garden shed in the backyard um uh and the ex so the wife and her new husband are in the house with their five kids some of the kids belong to the ex-husband the new husband goes into the garden to put something in the shed and as he does so the ex-husband bursts out of the shed with a crossbow and chases the new husband into the house the new husband shouts and runs straight through the house out into the street at the front uh, the wife runs up the stairs instinctively to protect her children and he shoots her with the crossbow and kills her but she's eight months pregnant um, and by some miracle the baby survived so he his his older children so that, that belonged to the guy that the guy who had the crossbow he they tackled him got the crossbow away from him and and restrained him and called the police so there was no um kind of question as to who did the you know who was responsible they arrested him on the scene took him away but what they used me for is to find out how pre-planned the attack was and whether he'd been around the area beforehand because they wanted to show how much of how much planning had gone into the murder so what they did is they gave me um, four 24-hour periods of CCTV that they had gathered from all of the surrounding residents in the private residence in the streets around the house that it had happened in and um, I don't know what it what what it's like over in America but lots of people in the UK have um, surveillance cameras on their properties um, and the police did a fantastic job of getting as much of that as they could from the areas surrounding so they gave that to me and I went through the footage and what I did is I always start off by asking for video of the suspect being brought into custody at the police station so they showed me video of the guy arriving into the to be booked in and they also gave me his mugshot and said there you go that's what he looks like see if you can find him at all in around the area so I found him 83 times and what I found was that so new evidence for the case so he had stashed a murder kit in a graveyard not far away from the house and over the course of the days before in the middle of the night before the murder he had been ferrying the the murder kit in pieces from the graveyard along the road climbing over the back fence and putting them in the shed of this house and I was able to get this footage of him doing that and you could even see lumps covered you know, like crossbow shaped things he were you know carrying in plastic wrapping and bags and, and it was so methodical and he just yeah sometimes he was just looking walking the street but up and down so they were able to prove that he had planned it really meticulously they also hadn't known about the murder kit and they were able to from what I showed them in the footage, they were able to match that up with a murder kit that had been found by a member of the public a year before, close by, and given to the police. And he had actually stashed a kit a year ago. It was found by the police, and he rebought everything to make a new murder kit. And it matched the bag, the bag brand, everything matched it. So I, I was able to say to the police, um, you know, did did you find this bag on the scene because I'm seeing him carrying it backwards and forward. And they said that matches a bag we found a year ago. And so there was lots of evidence I could um, produce for them. And it, 
it helped the case and he got 33 years which for here is a really massive sentence um and so that was really satisfying and i felt that you know it was quite surreal to be watching the video of the of the new husband bursting out the front door of the house and watching the police come and arrest the guy you know i was seeing it all happening you know, i heard about it but to actually see this happen was quite you know shocking but it it was really you know really worthwhile thing so that was one case that i did uh, i've done a couple of other murders and um one of the <laughs> I suppose one of the most um exciting ones was uh i don't know if you'll know this case but it's there's a, a guy called jamal khashoggi and he was a saudi guy who went into the saudi embassy in istanbul and was murdered uh he came, a body double came out wearing his clothes shortly after that to try to throw you know to try to throw investigators off the scent because of course he he's gone missing and it was a huge um a huge deal with the saudi um i don't want to say too much because it's a bit <laughs> a bit dodgy but um what happened was i got a phone call from mike neville on in the afternoon one day and he said can you get yourself immediately to cnn in london to their news desk i was like yeah okay um why he said just i don't know just get up there they just need a super recognizer okay so I got on the train, got up to London, found CNN's news desk and the lovely lady welcomed me in and she said, do you know why you're here? And I said, uh, well, breaking news today, I've noticed is Jamal Khashoggi. And she said, yeah, you're on that case. And we've got people on the ground in Istanbul feeding us um, images and video. And they want to know if these guys that they're suspecting are the people responsible for it. So we're going to give you some video of the people we we know are connected to the embassy and connect and we want to see if these are the same guys so it was a breaking news case i was on the news desk it was in the middle of the night things which i was getting video sent from istanbul i was having to say no that's definitely not him you're barking up the wrong tree there and it was crazy the breaking news happened the girl that was helping me had to go and do something with the translation desk she said oh stay here the phone started ringing i was asked hello cnn um i was answering the phone on the news desk it was just it was a crazy night and um and uh i was able to sort of make sure they weren't heading in the wrong direction with some of the people that they thought might have been responsible and they yeah and then i got driven home <laughs> that that was you worked on that case that was a huge piece of news that was huge and and no one knew like it just goes to show like how people don't know what's going on behind the scenes i would have when i was listening to that like i would have never i didn't know what a super recognizer was like how do you even know like you're the one behind the this investigation like you're crucial to that that was that was like world changing news because it was so covered up it was um it was quite uh quite a roller coaster that one and um yeah they were sending me people and I was able to say to them, guys, this is definitely not the person that you're showing. You know, I had comparisons and I could say, no, please don't go down that route because it's not them, you know. And so I can do the same, you know, I, it can be just as useful to be able to rule people out as well. You know, you don't want the wrong person to be chased. That's really cool. Was that ever solved? Did they ever come to a conclusion on that? Because I know there was some like... Actually, yeah, they've, they've sentenced some people to death like some high level people, right? 
Yeah. 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 I'm not sure we'll ever know, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, there was some gruesome accounts. I don't know if they were factual, but it, yeah, like, Jesus. Wow. So that was a biggie. I mean, there's also like a little, little ease. So I was working on a murder investigation in Jersey, which is obviously not your Jersey, but a little island off of France that we own that's British. And I was doing a murder investigation there and we were having a tea break. And I noticed that some officers were crowding around the computer screen looking at some cctv and being a bit moody and and despondent and i asked them what they were doing and they said we we've got this guy we're pretty sure he did this but we can't prove it and his lawyer is saying that we need to drop it because there's no proof so i asked them to walk me through it and it was some cctv footage of a nightclub and there was a big fight in the nightclub and a bottle gets thrown and it hits one of the ladies working behind the bar on the head and she gets a really severe head injury. And so they've got footage of this fight and this guy throws a bottle. So they've, tie- they've got the times on the CCTV cameras and they do not match up. So his time where he throws that bottle should match up with the time the bottle comes in and hits the, bar- the-, the lady behind the bar. And it doesn't, they're out of sync. So one of the investigators checks the CCTV down at the, at the nightclub and definitely the cameras are all in sync. So they couldn't work it out. So I asked them to play it through to me and I saw the guy throw the bottle. And I looked at his face and I kind of got him in my mind. And then I asked them to show me a different camera angle from a different room. And I watched the doorway of, of the room that he was having the fight in and a few you know kept watching kept watching and there's a huge sea of people it's like a boiling mass of bodies and then I just see his face come through the door and he throws a bottle so what he's done is on the first time he's thrown the bottle he's walked off and gone and picked it back up again walked through the other door and flung it across the bar and it's it's hit the girl and perfect timing it all matches up and so in my tea break i managed to solve that one for them and he got six months <laughs> just just during tea yay just sipping the tea i bet it was him <laughs> incredible so all sorts of things that happen now if if there was any cctv footage of say a bank robbery and the bank robbers were wearing masks would you still be enlisted to could okay you're nodding so you could do that just through body language no through eyes so there was some there's a famous uh well famous in my world of um in 2011 there were some awful riots in london and there's lots of cctv footage because london is leads the world in the amount of cameras that we have there everywhere absolutely everywhere and so we had a lot of footage and some of the um super recognizers in the metropolitan police unit in the at scotland yard they they i think it was something like 600 different arrests were made on their sightings alone and there's one piece of footage where a guy's on a uh, on a bicycle and he he has a mask around his face and a and a hat on he he robs a guy of his backpack and he takes it off of him and cycles off and as he cycles off he stops and he turns his face to a camera and then cycles on again and from that portion of just his eyes one of the met team identified him and he and he got a prison sentence and when you when i look at the mugshot of the guy because the guy had been arrested before and the police officer knows him really well 
and he just could tell straight away it was him so when when I look at the mugshot now and I look at the piece of footage I can tell as well um I can and and there's been some research done by Greenwich University who put balaclavas on people and sunglasses and caps and things like that and whilst the um, results were impaired for super recognizers they were still double the positive result as uh, as the control people so we can still do it so beware people in masks now during covid disasters that are trying to to um to do naughty things we can still get you <laughs> you ain't fooling nobody <laughs> <laughs> oh wow what about missing persons cases have you ever worked on uh missing persons cases like with sightings and things like that yeah yeah i mean is it we've had a few charities that missing persons charities come to us with different sightings it's no different to any other work we do so if we've got a comparison we can we can do we can run exactly the same thing um i had a missing person case where um they the family thought they'd seen their son in a crowd at a cricket i don't even know if you know what cricket is but it's a cricket match somewhere on the other side of the world the 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 camera was panning around the crowd and they could see this guy clapping and they thought it was their son and so i was sent the the stills of that and asked to look into it so i went through the guy the guy had been missing for seven years and um I went through all his Facebook photos and stuff. And I tell you what, it, I can see exactly why they thought it was him. I, but because it was such a, an emotive thing and so, so huge, I said, I'm 65% sure it's him, but I need loads more. I need moving footage of that, of that uh, shot in the crowd and, and things. So, you know, you can give them an idea, but unless you get more evidence, you don't want to commit every time it's not you know you're not infallible and um and that was i would you know it wouldn't it be awful to kind of give the wrong result on a missing person inquiry so yeah but we can we can help and we desperately want to you know so i was going to say to you guys anything you hear of any anything like that that we could help with just send it my way because i can put it across all of our team and get a, a good sort of opinion for you if you ever hear of any cases where the there are images like that for comparison yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. I can think of about yeah. two dozen off the top of my head. Yeah, they do happen occasionally uh, in Maura Murray's case and in um, Brianna Maitland's case. There's kind of a famous one um, from a casino in Atlantic City where there's some surveillance footage. But but it would help uh, seeing the, the person in person. That That's always paramount. Uh, Moving images are, are lovely mm. to see. It's not always possible, you know, but we, we, we do like to see that because, of course, it gives you lots of different angles to the face which just helps us to take it in but more often than not we don't get that and it's just a mug shot and then a few clips of stills of it of cctv or something like that yeah i mean it would be important just to rule out people because again i can think of a number of uh cases that we've covered on both of our shows that um you know, have had somebody, you know, someone sends a picture of uh, a homeless man in Mexico and says, I think this is uh, Brian Schaefer from uh, Ohio or, you know, just instances like that. Um, but most of the time, there's always plenty of uh, material to look at, like source material uh, that that you can look at for, you know, this is uh, this is this is what the person looked like in many different uh, situations to compare it to. So, yeah, I'd love to get some some of that, too. 
it's not that we would say yeah that's definitely good that's definitely there more no it's not we would produce a in-depth report so we would give our opinion but then we would give you the reasons why we've come to that opinion and and we can point things out if there's enough to go on and enough good quality images we can give you loads of information you know see the difference between that part and that part you know this part of the eyebrow is different to this part of the eyebrow and we can dig into it we'll have an instinctive reaction immediately and we'll we'll know it's them or it isn't but it's then up to us to prove that so for law enforcement and for private um, investigations we always produce a really in-depth report so to prove our point right because you can't just say it's my gut feeling no, 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 no. <laughs> That's your report. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, I just did a report which was so fun. Um, it was for a professor in San Jose who's writing a book on whether Paul McCartney died in 1968 or not. That's amazing. <laughs> if you're not aware, there's a there was a rumour in back then that uh, Paul McCartney had died and there was loads of clues in their songs and their album covers as to to point to that so he wanted me to do a report to show that paul is either alive or dead so i had to uh go through loads of lovely old beatles footage and then stuff now and show that there's this little bit in his teeth that's there and one of his eyebrows is slightly higher and when he sings he's got this particular shape mouth and it was brilliant and that got published in a book recently so um uh yeah that that was one of the more fun things i got to do so you're 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 saying someone went through extreme lengths to create a paul mccartney double (laughs) it would have been pretty good wouldn't he (laughs) but no he's he is alive still that is the right the the real paul that's what you're saying i'm glad you agree with me (laughs) (laughs) So, so you're really good with faces. Do you ever have any moments where you just like slip up on names or you're like, I'm, do you ever tell people I'm great with faces, but I just, I suck at names. Yeah, I, yeah, I do suck at everything else. Really remember, remembering my own name is one of the things I'm useless at. Now I, it doesn't cut faces is the thing. Don't mean I'm any good at anything else. When when I meet someone new or a group of people, I, I you know if I get their names and maybe where they're from, I'm so much more likely to remember where they're from than uh, than their names, and and like and I it's not really like oh he's from Virginia. It's it's like I it's in my head on a map almost, and I'm like oh okay this person's in like the mid Atlantic range in Baltimore. I'll say that, and it's like oh it's pretty close if not if not nailing it. But so that that's kind of like like a weird feeling that I get that I can't really put my finger on. Yeah. And we do the same. We, um, when we're working as a team, we will give nicknames to the people we're looking at. So one, one um, job we had, we were looking for um, people that were trying to get close to the queen at an event. And um, we had 106 different faces to memorize and then go and find and we found a lot of them actually it was brilliant um but yeah it um you you kind of you give them nicknames so you'll say you know you'll liken them to a famous person and we'll say oh you know have you got bill clinton over there yeah he's here and uh you know so we use ways to sort of remember people in that respect but yeah we don't we don't sort of report to have any other special powers it doesn't seem to tie in 
so I'm what horrible we do is we, we we kind of enhance what we have and so when i w was working with some in you know for some of the covert operations i was working with some really high-end security guys who've been royal family close protection officers and i thought i really need to sort of know what i'm doing here so i took myself off for surveillance training so i qualified in surveillance so i now know how to properly follow people use covert radios work in a team following vehicles i was zooming around the countryside chasing people uh so we i you know i'm i work all the time to enhance all the other things i can as best i can to back my skill up you know you're you're exceptionally modest because you just said that you're not very good at and oh this is the one thing i'm good at and then then it's uh you know now now zooming across the country uh surveilling people yeah jane um, bond over here jane bond over here <laughs> seriously it's incredible yeah um, when's your movie coming out don't joke <laughs> no, no, there's lots of there's lots of things going on but i don't think a movie's in the pipeline yet i think i think i think it uh i think it's somewhere in the pipeline um have you ever had to work with any agency to train somebody to act like a double based on what you've seen no no that's never come up no that would be a good idea though but uh no we've only seen people like in the Kashogi case where they are yeah. actually using a double, but we, you know, we haven't done that. No. That'd be interesting. Like say I had to be a double for Tim just out of protection. You could tell me like, well, Tim does this and this, and you might want to do this and, you know, drag your knuckles when you walk. Yeah. And you get a stupid white wig that you could pop on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I have a feeling the wig's coming back. Hello. Oh, I gotta get a screenshot. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Well, Kelly, this has been a uh, a journey uh, of an interview, just a fascinating so adventure. Uh, learning about this process and how it relates to crime, because ultimately, what we do here is really a, a journey through crime and trying to kind of learn all facets of it. And this is something that I did not know about, so I, I am endlessly fascinated by this. And we just want to help. You know, if we could have some sort of impact on the cases that I listen to and learn about on your side of the pond every day. It would just be, it would be an honor to be able to help some of the families that, you know, you guys are involved with or anything you hear of, you know, we, I look at cases and I, I try to wonder whether we could get involved. You know, I've looked at the, the Delphi murders and things like that. And I, I just need something a bit extra, you know? Um, but uh, there's lots of things that uh, we could, you know, we would love to help with and I can, I can distribute it around my guys and we can, we can come up with some stuff. So please, please, if any, if you know of any law enforcement guys who want some help or, or any cases that might benefit from our, our work, we will be delighted. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. We would love that. We would absolutely love that. We have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of things that come our way that, that we don't know what to do with. Uh, the Delphi murder is a perfect example of footage that is just so hard to decipher um, as a regular person. And uh, yeah, we will definitely be in touch on that. And we can do follow-up uh, episodes based on your findings too. I think that's uh, a really good idea. Um, this has been, this has been so fun. Uh, I have I have one question. You said that you were in the pub once and you were, you hang out with other super recognizers. Do you ever like talk amongst yourself about how to use your powers for evil? Just as a joke in the pub? Are you like, well, how can we, cause I was, I was racking my brain trying to think of like, 
there's no other way to use these powers other than good. Like, how could you use this for, for evil? You know what? We're such wonderful law abiding citizens, upstanding. We don't get drunk or anything like that together. We're very, very calm and measured. We're not. Um, so no, we've never thought about that. We have thought about how to take over the world. We thought about creating our own super unit of private investigators that no one could ever beat and no one would get past us. Um, and I'm, I'm sure that that will happen. But um, yeah, no, we would only be working for the good of everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say. <laughs> <laughs>